When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. There's nobody I'd rather have on right now than Eduardo Perez. Eduardo, what's going on? How are you doing? Good? You sure, you Good? sure about that? You sure about that? You no, know, that, that's a fact. That is a <laughs> fact. You know that. You know I love talking to you. So uh, I, the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you why baseball isn't boring. Because, you know, this is the name of the podcast. And this is a great conversation. It's why we have T-shirts made up. By the way, have you worn your T-shirt yet? Oh, of course, man. It's I a solid T-shirt, I get, right? I get double takes. I get double takes. I live in Miami. And let's face it, the, the Marlins don't draw well, right? So uh, I think it's just a, a perfect place and a perfect city and a perfect town to be able to do it in. Um, and I wear that one and I wear the baseballism one as well, the four, six, three, you know, equals, yeah. equals two. And, and people look at me and they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, there's another, <laughs> just the country's going to, to blankety blank. And I'm that's what we're no, that's what we're, that's what we're here for. You know, that's what we get people on the right track, right? So, yes. so, t- so tell me. So, you know, this is a conversation that we love having. Tell me why, like you say, like baseball isn't boring. Why baseball is so awesome? And before you do, like I'll give you. So we just did. You know, I just did this book, and it's come out in March with Joe Kelly, and, and we talked to a lot of people, actors, and everybody else, and a lot of them had the same sort of narrative, which is. Let's just slow down for a second and understand exactly what's going on. We did a podcast with Kelly the other day and I said, watch the Harper at bat when he hits the home run. It's you're thinking through every little second of that and then boom, there it is. I mean, that's what, for me, that's what's part of what's great, great about it. But how about for you? How about there being a game and you don't know what's going to happen? There's no predictability in it. Um, as players, you're it's it's a chess game. You know when people watch chess and look at chess, you're like, oh, that's another boring game, right? And you know they add a clock to it to make it look uh, to make it seem faster and quicker. But the, there's so much strategy involved in it. And for me, the more I watch baseball, the more intricacies are in the game, and the more it relates to life in general. And because of it, there's a lesson to be learned, a lesson of patience. 
a lesson of um, there's there's always a, a side effect to whatever you do. If you push on one side, it's you know there's something that you have to give up on the other, and that's why I related and I went right back to the the game of chess. There's pawns. There's a sacrifice. There's a team aspect of it. Yet the individualism of it as well plays into this. Um, but the part that I love about it is the precision that each athlete, each individual, each coach, each manager has to do within the lines of the game and the effects that it has upon the opponent and the effects that it has with the the fan that is sitting in their seat and then all of a sudden gets up because of the excitement of what they've seen that they've never probably even seen before. Um, you know, I'm a second generation major leaguer, but the person that taught me to love this game was my grandfather from my mother's side. Um, he's the one that taught me the history of the game. Um, a big time Yankee fan growing up in Cuba and listening to his stories, I could picture as a child those players that he saw growing up. He was born in 1907 and he saw Babe Ruth. He saw um, the history, you know, of, of McCarthy and all those, of, of being able to to manage World Series games, to manage regular season games, to manage men. And those stories, by the way, when I pictured them in my head, I pictured them in black and white because I didn't know that there was color <laughs> in 1907, in 1917, in 1927. I pictured those the same way that I we saw them on TV and in, on black and white. And because of it, I, I fell in love with it. Um, and I wanted more. And I remember after coming back from school during the day, I would sit there and have a nice, and, and you know, I'd be able to have an ice cold Coke with him and just talk about the history of baseball. Um, sort of like sitting around with Tim Kirchin on a daily basis, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, listening to the history of the game. I had a front seat to it. And then the beauty of it is during the summers, I'd go live it in the present with my father being in the big leagues as a player and being around big leaguers. And I could put it all together. Um, I'm enamored by the sport. I love the sport. I love the business side of the sport. And I love where the sport has taken us every year there's something new something different the 70s were different than the 80s the 80s were different than the 90s and it's definitely different now as far as the analytics have come in in the last 10 years and where we are with the athleticism and the beauty and the grace that these unbelievable athletes make it look so easy yet i know it's not because i stood in that batter's box <laughs> um, i can go on and on i can go on and on brad I can go to the point where I stood at Yankee Stadium and stood in the batter's box. And remember, I just told you about the stories that my grandfather used to tell me. 
He passed away at the age of 97. He saw me play my entire big league career. And when I stood at the batter's box at old Yankee Stadium, and my grandfather's name was Pablo de la Cantera, when my grandfather would, would tell me about DiMaggio, and he would tell me about Barra, and he would tell me about Rizzuto, and he would tell me about, you know, just the iron horse and everything. I stood in that batter's box, and I was like, holy crap. I'm here. This is what they saw. I'm looking at the same background that they saw. There was no way I was going to get a hit. I was overwhelmed with emotion. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I grounded right back to the pitcher. I was like, there's no chance. I, and I just ran to first, and I was the happiest person in the face of this earth, the same way that the Iron Horse gave his speech there at Yankee Stadium. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, you know, people don't realize that, man. People, you know, they think because you grew up in the sport and your dad's a Hall of Famer that it's that you're not overwhelmed. You are. You know, you are. You know, you know, I think that you know, a couple of things spring to mind when you talk when you're talking. Number one, you know, when I'm doing the book and and hearing people like yourself, it's like I'm not gonna be sappy, but when I hear stuff like that, it's great to hear. Like, cause we're you know, like we're at the park yesterday. We're at the park and we're running around. We're doing everything, and oh my goodness, I can't believe they're serving this in the media dining room. Oh, I can't believe you know this or whatever. But listening throughout that process and listening to you, and it's just it's like oh my goodness, like not to sound sappy, but this is what we're talking about. And and Eduardo, I don't know for you, sitting there and verbalizing it here as we sit here, if that doesn't allow you to sort of. If, if that isn't sort of cathartic or therapeutic or I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe I appreciate you doing it, but I'm like, I can see like it, like seeping out of your pores when you're talking about that. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a, it's a love affair that I've had with the game since I've been a kid. I didn't play. The, the, the thing that's interesting is I didn't really play much baseball growing up. I was around baseball growing up. But playing as far as travel ball, as far as, you know, just a lot of Little League games and summer, I, I didn't do all that. I, my summers were spent in the big league ballparks. My summers as a, as a young kid were spent at Riverfront Stadium, at, at uh, Olympic Stadium in Montreal, at Fenway Park for three years when my dad played there. One year at the vet, that was the first year I was allowed to be able to be in uniform during games. And, you know, and then from there I was able, then my dad went back to Cincinnati. I would shag and I'd be in the dugout in uniform. That's when I, I learned how to be a big leaguer, if it's interesting. But mm -hmm. I, I learned how to be able to also understand what it took to get to the big leagues. Yet I didn't play much high school baseball. I didn't make my, I, I, I didn't make the junior, as a junior, I didn't make the high school baseball team in Miami mm -hmm. when I went to Miami. Um, but I knew the game. I knew what was going to happen before things were happening because I saw a lot of baseball. I witnessed it. Um, we were forced to. I remember being a little kid and Sparky Anderson br would bring us into Al Lopez Field in Tampa. That's where the Reds used to practice. And he said, look, guys, um, the team wins. You're allowed in the clubhouse. The team doesn't win. You're not allowed in the clubhouse. And during the game, I expect to see all your butts sitting down watching the game and yelling at the umpire. 
those are the things that I remember <laughs> as a little kid. And I remember our family was the big red machine. If David Concepcion mm -hmm. told me, hey, go get this or sit down, that was like my father telling me, go get this and sit down. If Pete Rose or Johnny Bench or Joe Morgan or Ken Griffey or David, you know, I can go on and on. If it's just Cesar Geronimo or George Foster told us that, that's what we did. Same with the pitchers. We had to respect that, that um, to me, the clubhouse is the player's clubhouse. And to this day, it still is. I walk in now as a media member. I walk in respecting every player that's there, even if they're 30 years younger than I am because they're in the big leagues. And that's mm -hmm. their clubhouse. And that's their sanctity. And that's the way it should be because that's how I was brought up. I, I saw it as a child. I saw it as a major league player. I've seen it as a coach. I've seen it as a media member already when I walk into that clubhouse. And I'm very much aware of it. And I'm very much aware of, of every cathedral. And there's 30 of them at the major league level um, that when I walk in, if it's on a Sunday or if it's during the World Series or postseason games. And I, I respect that in, in such a, an unbelievable way. So there's a few things you said, which was, is a natural segue to what I want to talk about, which is like the evolution of being a manager where, where as we sit here right now, the importance of, of the qualities of a manager in baseball and Major League Baseball. And um, you had talked about how great it is that a baseball evolves and it's always different. You had talked about the chess game. Um, and it is so different. Like Sparky Anderson, when Sparky Anderson was managing. But now we see, now we, every year is interesting because we see a new group of guys being hired as managers and you're trying to piece it together. All right, what are teams looking for? You've, you've interviewed a couple of times. Like I'd be fascinated yeah. to hear like sort of what your perspective was when it comes, came to the questions being asked. But, but I guess that's where I'll start. When you interviewed, was it, was it surprising that about where the questions that were being asked, was it, what, were you, did you want to sort of default back to, hey, you know what? When I play, this is how managers were. When I was a kid, this is how managers were. I know the root, I know the foundation, and they're asking about this. What was that like? I think every organization is different, and you have to go in prepared. And one thing that you have to be in, in Bradford, one thing that I, I personally and, and, and truly believe is you have to be you, you have to be genuine. Because at the end of the day, the person that they're hiring, um, they're going to see on a, on, a, on a every day. You're going to interact with them every day the, with the general manager, with the team president. If it's with ownership, you're representing the organization that if it's uh, as an owner's viewpoint that they own. You're representing their product. You're representing um, the organization itself before games and post games. So they want to make sure that they get that right. They get the message right. You're not only managing players, you're managing up and you're managing down as well with the minor league areas. So there are, there are many viewpoints. It's the understanding of being as, and, and, and I really do believe, you know, I, I see a lot of people sometimes, it used to be people making PowerPoint presentations, going in with something saying, this is, this is who I am. Um, I want to go in being real. I, I don't know any other way. I think a lot of, in, in my position, I think a lot of the general managers or team presidents have already seen who I am via the lens. 
uh, because of all the years that I've been on, on television. And I think that's what's helped if it's Aaron Boone or David Ross. You go Buck Showalter and even Dusty Baker, uh, former former players that are uh, Alex Cora, uh, former players that were TV uh, analysts that now are managing teams. They had to go in being them. There's no other way. I mean, I can suit up, put a tie, and go into an interview and try to be uh, perfect answering questions. At the end of the day, you have to trust in who has taught you how to lead in this game. And it's not just about the decisions being made on the field. I think that's probably the easiest part. Is it, are you coachable as a manager? Are you willing to adjust as a manager? Are you willing to bend as a manager? As far as being able to understand what the front office is trying to relay to you and you selling that and believing it to your coaches, to your players, and to be consistent as a leader. I think those are very important aspects in any business. And most importantly, in this business, because you have to answer those questions on those daily basis more than once. Who? So, we like I said, every year we see sort of this this new group of hirings. That you take away from some of the guys that are hired, Schumacher and and obviously Bochy's established, right? Some other some other guys. So what is? Is it is it is it not just as cookie cutter as this is what teams are looking for? Like because mm-hmm. all the things that you said make sense. Like I I I would hire you right now. Congratulations for this for this. Oh, team. thanks, Brad. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Listen, we paid T-shirts and smiles. So, uh, uh, but you know, every team is different. Texas is different. That's why they hire Bochy. Miami's different. That's why they hire Schumacher. So, but it, what is what what is your takeaway from the the way the, the guys that are being hired right now. And maybe well, this goes I, back I, to last think, year and the year before. Yeah, I, and, and I think it has to do, Bradfo, with, with you know, what the belief system is right now within the organizations. You have you have an owner, let's say, for example, in Kansas City with Sherman that has, you know, has background already with Cleveland and understands that he's a small market franchise and he wants to be competitive on a yearly basis. So what does he do? His... He's, he's seen what Cleveland's been able to do, and he relates to that market that maybe that'll work in Kansas City. So they target um, Quattraro to be able to be their manager because he's had past experience as an assistant hitting coach with the Indians then, now Guardians, and with the Tampa Bay Rays as a bench coach. So he figures, you know, I want somebody to represent our organization that understands how to pretty much um, guide us as a manager and help us out at the minor league level and at the big league level and because he's been there and done that. So they, I think it was a really good hire. They go after a person that, that understands that that's who they are going to be. And in order for them to be competitive, it's going to be with a small market mentality. Bruce Bochy has been a proven winner both in San Diego and in San Francisco with those three championships on those even years, right? So, so Texas, who claims to have some money to spend this year, they're going to go after <laughs> pitching. And Bruce Bochy could be their ticket to be able to sell those pitchers 
over to Texas and say, look, we have a pitcher's ballpark here, and I know how to lead us into championships. I want you to come here. So it's not only being used as a great manager that also sends the right message to players and to a fan base for credibility, but they're looking at a manager that also can bring in that player. And Bruce Bochy could be that guy that Chris Young targeted for his team. And mm-hmm. he's got experience because he also played for him in San Diego. So all those things have to have to play in 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 in, in each market. Um, I think it's interesting the dynamic that's going on with the Marlins. They went with Schumacher. I thought they were going to go a different route, but they targeted another St. Louis bench coach. How many St. Louis bench coaches have we had here already? You know that are at the big league level managing. Those are really interesting to see as well. Then you go after Chicago. We still don't know who's going to be the manager in Chicago. But what I can tell you is that whomever they pick, and from the from the people that they're interviewing, if it's Pedro Grifol, if it's uh, Mendoza, um, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Espada's already out of the running from what we've heard. But whomever they go with, they're, they're going to inherit a team that's going to be ready to win. Really good. Uh, and that's a talented team that maybe they need to get a little bit more discipline if that's what they need. Maybe they need a, a communicator that can that can do well with uh, the vast amount of uh, minorities that they have there, if it's Latinos and with Tim Anderson as well. How do you get a leader to be able to do it? And I think they're going to have to go with somebody that's been at all stages of the game, the minor league leadership, major league leadership, somebody that's won a ring, as well to show them how to be able to do that. So that's going to be interesting to see who Rick Hahn chooses in Chicago. But overall, the beauty of this is who would have thought that our Ollie Marmol, for example, in St. Louis would have such a great year this year because I was unbelievably impressed by Ollie. And then mm. it showed that John Mozalak made a right choice in naming him the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, because even the veteran guys that were older than him, Pujols, Wainwright, Yadi Molina, they respected who Ali Marmol was, and he's younger than them, yet he led, and he led beautifully, that St. Louis Cardinal team. You watch a lot of games, so uh, I, you know, I know that you like a lot of managers, like you just mentioned a couple of them. Much like my team, you're hired to be the manager of my team. Okay, now you get to, now you get to have your team. You, three guys, three guys. Give me three guys that you say, I all like you. I like you all personally. I respect your game. I respect your ability to manage. But these are the three I'm bringing in to interview for my job. Who would they be? If I would have three people to interview, yeah. Do they have to have a job now, or are they they're not managers no, right no, now? No, no, no. Listen, this is your team. This is. I mean, this we're we're competing. Team. Yeah. This is wow! What a question, Brad. So huh? you put me on the spot. So I'm. I mean, I don't I'm the listen. Team president. I, I, I'm the team president. You, you, yeah, I'm yeah. Listen, yeah. I know. I know. I know that you you've done a lot in baseball. You yeah. you you know a lot of people. There's no better yeah. person to ask this question. And I'm also letting you off the hook. But I'm already saying, you already like them. Everybody personally. There's no hard feelings. Okay. If I if I could hire you all, I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the political, that's the right, yeah. that's the way out, right? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. 
What a what what an interesting. <laughs> is that is that I mean is that a fair question? Do you want to answer it? I don't want to put you on the spot. I just no think no it's, it's no 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 because I think I think every, all the thirty managers. Let's let's put it this way. Let's let's yeah. take out the thirty man. Let's take out the twenty nine managers that are out there right now. All right. Okay. Let's just let's pull them aside because they wouldn't be available. They're under contract. I don't want to go there. Um, so let's let's take that one out of the equation. Um, I'm going to go with. Three in no particular order. Yeah, absolutely. In no particular. Okay, in no particular order. I would love to see an, an interview these three people. Wow. One of them. <laughs> I would love to interview Barry Larkin. All right. All right. Good I would one. love to interview... I would love to interview Pedro Grafal. Okay. All right. And I would love to interview Carlos Beltran. Oh, nice. Now, tell me. Now, here's a here's a good question. And I gave you, you three, three different three different guys. Right. One. Right. Okay. Okay. One with an infield so, background, Hall of Famer. Yep. Right. One outfielder that is, I believe, also a Hall of Famer but a great communicator. And I gave you one guy that I know would kick ass right now as a manager. And I know because I've seen his work and I Is see how he deals with people on and off the field. No, the one, the, the, and, and Griffol. Griffol. Oh, Griffol. Not okay, a common okay. household name, not a common household name. He would kick ass as a manager. Okay. So, so, like you said, different guys, different skill sets, different personalities. What is the thing that drew you? There has to be something that sort of, when you're going through the process in your head, that you said, "I have to have this, right? I have to." We we can we can we can have the interview, but it, in order to have the interview, you have to have this in this person. The ability to lead through delegating. Okay. Um, to me, it's one of the most important aspects in being a leader. You have to be, you have to know what's going on. You have to be aware of going on, of what's going on. But most importantly, the ability to allow your coaches to do what they know how to do really well, and that's to coach, to lead in their respective expertise the ability to empower the players yet not entitle the players is very important and if you're able to get that with the combination of wanting of having that player to want to get in their car leave their families and go to the ballpark not to get there early but to go to the ballpark and work and play, mm. you are going to exceed expectations in each one of those players. And if they exceed expectations, <laughs> you'll be playing in October. Isn't it a simplistic thing? Like, in no matter what job it is, if you can find the guy that makes you want to go to work, right? He's going to get the best I mean, out of you, you, right? Right. You, you, I would imagine, like, you, you seem like you like going to work. You seem like you like going to you know, be around the people you're around. Love it. Right. 
I mean, I love being around Coop, my guy Coop. Like, I love being around the people that I, I, I love being around. And, and on it, there you go. There you go, Coop. <laughs> and so, you know, it's such a simple thing. But you've seen managers, and you've probably played for managers, and you've been around managers where it's not so simple. It's they're not delegating. They're not they're not trusting. You know, like I had I covered a team, Eduardo, with a manager didn't talk to the bench coach for the last two months of the season. Yeah. So, and the players see that. The the players see yeah. it. And if the players see it, their other coaches see it as well. It just does not play. It's a toxic environment. Um look, we have these all over the place, right? Everybody has their cell phone. I know you have yours right next to you. Pick it up. Yeah. Because I know it's right next to you. you well, so I'm, I'm talking, I'm yeah. talking okay, into you're, you're it. Using so it. Yeah. All right. So it's right next to you. But the yeah. bottom line is we crave information. That's, you know, yeah. information is key. Players do the same thing. Don't tell, don't have a player find out what's going on through the media. Communicate with that player. Communicate with the coach so that coach can communicate with the player. You get that respect, that player is going to run through the wall for you. Mm-hmm. He's going to run through the wall because he believes that that's right. And I think it's I think it's I think it's I think it's so important to be able to have that quality. And if you're able to trust in your team, your team of coaches, your team upstairs, because you're not managing just the players and the coaches, you're managing the general manager. You're managing the president. You're managing the owner. That's when you know you have something special going on. Mm -hmm. And it goes along in every business. We have, you know, leadership here. You know, I work for ESPN. I work for SiriusXM. The leadership is different, yet it's still the same. It's still the same message. And I think that's the important part. We need, you know, one thing that I love it is uh, that I love about working and, and doing what I do is they have allowed me to, they've empowered me. I'm not entitled. I still listen to everything they tell me to do. I still, I'm still very coachable. I need to be coached. I want to be coached. Um, so I can be better. And that's what every player wants from the superstar player, Bryce Harper, to the young player coming up to, uh, if it's Bryce Stott, you know, if it, you know, Bryce Stott, you, you want to be, you, you want to be coached, man. You want to be acknowledged. And one thing that I learned is that I'm not going to be treated the same way as a superstar player. I know that. I'm okay with that. Just tell me what to do and what my role is, and I'm going to be the best that I can in my role to help my team win. And and that goes in any business. We had uh, we had Joe Madden on, and he was talking about. And then listen, I mean, everyone manages a different way. But one thing that Joe said that was really struck me was you talked about having to communicate with everybody up, down, all over. And he had said flat out, he's like, the managers these days, that when the game starts, there's too many voices in the head. There's too many voices in the head. Now, that might be an extreme, but that you talk about delegation and all that. This is, this is the way of the world now. You're getting a lot of information. And we've, you know, I know when Alex Cora took over the Red Sox in 2018, that's one of the first things he did. Ramon Vasquez, you know, comes in. He's going to help deliver the message, deliver the That is a huge, huge challenge. So what is your, when you have your three managers and you bring, now we're, now we're bringing them in for the interview. You're asking these guys this question. What do you want to hear from them? 
I, I want I want to listen to them. I want to be able to ask them, okay, give me your vision. Um, because I want to see if it's in line with our vision. And I want them to also ask us questions. Because this the interview process, it's not just about you answering questions. It's about also uh, it's not about the, the the potential manager just answering questions. I want the potential manager to be curious, because our relationship is 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 going to be a two way. It has to be two way. It has to, Bradfo. Um, it it uh, you you have to go in there and 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 be curious about the organization, what the organization what their beliefs are, to see if you can work together, because. I'm a, I'm, if I'm team president, I want to make sure that my field manager is going to be with us for quite some time. It's not just because I give them a three-year contract doesn't mean that's my out. Um, I want to make sure that the community is the right community for, for my field manager. I want, to, I want to make sure that the the message when he gets in front of the cameras and the questions that he's going to be asked upon, if it's a field decision or not, are going to be the, the right ones. So it's not just interviewing him or her, um, as far as um, what can they do on the field to make the players better, but what can they do to make the organization better and more consistent? Um, and it's it's simple questions as, I want to know who their families are. I want to know, you know, one another thing that I would do is I want to know who their significant other is. I want to be, because that person also represents the organization. This is going to be a family, a complete family. So it's not just about going into a room and being asked the question of, you know, so give me your philosophy of of hitting. Give me your philosophy of constructing a lineup. What would you do in this situation or not? Most of the in-game decisions, I think most of the people could nail, especially if you have a really good bench coach um, and especially if you have a good supporting cast that's going to help you. But I want to know if you are – if, if, if your ego will allow you to help um, give, uh, if, if, your, if your ego would allow us to, to be able to, as an organization, give you um, suggestions as far as lineup construction or as far as roster uh, build, I want to know what you feel you need to be able to make, to, so you can make your decisions better on the field. Well, listen, Eduardo, now you have your choice. I appreciate your time. You have your choice at the end of the day. You can either be the baseballs and team baseballs and boring manager or GM. It's up to you. Or president <laughs> of baseball operations, whatever you I'll want to call it. I'll tell you what it won't be. It won't be yeah. boring, Bradford. It won't be no, boring. No, no, let's go. That's what we're talking. We got we to gotta put fannies in the seats. Let's go. All right, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. You've been very generous. And always, like I said, it's always a thrill to talk to you. So uh, we'll see you at the park, all right? All right, see you there, man. You got it. Don't All big right. league me. Don't big league me. <laughs> I, I shook your hands like five times yesterday before you said, oh, it's you. <laughs> it's all good. All right, man. All I'll right. see you. You got Thanks, it. Thanks, Eduardo. All right, thanks,